0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode seven of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and today is part one of a two episode mini series on college golf recruiting. Uh, Our guest, Josh Brewer, is the head coach of the women's golf team at the university of georgia i've actually known josh for a couple years he's a great guy uh runs a really great program for the lady bulldogs and so this is a value-packed episode where we dive into the recruiting process we're going to talk about the importance of academics um, what a typical week looks like and you know a couple other things as well so stay tuned i'll be right back with our guest coach brewer All right, guys welcome back um today i've got a special guest the head coach of the women's team at the university of georgia josh brewer josh how's it going i'm doing very well how are you today i'm great man thanks for uh jumping on here with me
1: i mean i'm excited and kind of look forward to the next few minutes together and you know just enjoy the banter back and forth
0: yeah for sure for sure so you know we met a couple of years ago and keep in touch and um I know that you're bouncing all over the place right now in the middle of the season, so appreciate you making time for us. You guys just got back from Portland, uh, finished up at uh, the Mali tournament out there, tied for, th- or not tied for third, you guys took sole third, I think, right?
1: Yes, we did finish third and had two freshmen finish fourth and fifth individually, so awesome. again, a good trip to the West Coast.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, can you can you tell the the audience a little bit for those that that don't know much about you just a little bit about your background? You had a strong playing background and coaching, and you know what led you to the University of Georgia.
1: Yeah, just I played collegiately at Indiana University under Sam Carmichael. Uh, played lucky enough to play all four years. We won a Big Ten title my senior year, uh, last still that IU has won. We played in the. 96 national championship the one tiger won at the honors course Um, so again very fortunate to play a very high level golf in the big 10 conference after that i was going to go in the business world Um, had a chance to five years out of school to come back to indiana be their assistant coach on the men's side spent five and a half years there fortunate enough to meet the director of golf at southern california they were creating a an assistant position for the men and the women Uh, decided to with my wife take a take a chance that we from Bloomington, Indiana to Los Angeles that it was the right move Uh, um, turned out to definitely be the right move spent four great years there where I met Coach Hack on the men's side and when they decided to you know make a change on the women's on the women's side in 2012 I was just kind of right place right time and Now I've been – this is year eight in Athens, which is really kind of strange because sometimes it feels like eight days, sometimes it feels like 80 years. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I bet. (laughs) Well, you've had a good, successful eight years. I mean, you guys have had, you know, in your time there, you know, 24 wins split, you know, team and individual, 12 and 12 there, um, you know, broken multiple school scoring records. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know – what your approach is and just continuing to, to build a solid team and a solid culture.
1: Yeah. A lot of it starts from the recruiting standpoint. We, I kid but I just use the term, I want golf nerds. Um, and that starts, that's not only the student athlete, but the family who loves the game of golf and is going to support their daughter, you know, to get better, even if they're not going to play professionally just to get better at the amateur level. Uh, Cause I kind of live and breathe, the sport may be too much to an extent at times, but I just, I try to wake up every day trying to help, you know, our players reach, reach their full potential. Um, so again, it, I think it starts in recruiting. And then w- once you get here, you know, adjusting to each personality, we don't, I don't do anything strictly. Every player on a team has to do it. It's, you know, your game plan is going to be different than player B's and player C's just because again, that's our sport. We don't, in the end of the day, we don't need each other, you know, to run a play like basketball or football. We need each other to win, but just cause you hit seven irons, I might need to hit a five iron and let's, sure. let's go figure it
0: out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now that makes sense for sure. So, you know, as you're talking about building that culture, walk us through kind of what your recruiting cycle looks like. So, I mean, we've got an audience of, um, you know, families and parents and, and junior players that are out there kind of, help them picture a little bit, you know, what you're going through throughout the year, um, you know, out of season and in, in season. Cause I know there's some overlap there, you know, from a recruiting perspective. Correct.
1: Correct. We'll spend most of our time on the road kind of May through August is when parents and junior golfers will see us just cause again, that's our off season from a competition standpoint. But even now, like I said, we just arrived home on a red eye from Portland and we'll still be looking at junior golf scores and from around the world and just trying to figure out who, you know, who's playing, who's competing. And to me, I, I, I love seeing people compete and try to try to win at all levels. It doesn't matter if it's a a state tournament all the way up to the national level or international level. It's like, just compete. It'll take care of itself as long as you're out trying, don't try to game the system, just go out and play and, do you know do as well as you can
0: yeah yeah what do you mean when you say game the system i'm just curious <laughs> what you mean by that
1: a lot of, i feel like so many parents get caught up in their ajga ranking or how many stars they have and they'll try to protect their their child if they have one great event and all of a sudden they're they can get on all these tournaments and they forget like they there's such a short-term focus and they you know they forget the bigger picture of of trying to really get better at the game of golf. And I guess that's when I say golf nerd, your your families who love golf really don't do that very often. They just, right. you know, they're just trying to get better and they'll take some setbacks um, along the way. But it's, and again, I love the AJGA. It's, it's made our jobs easy as coaches. But I think so many people get caught up in wanting to be invited to the Invitational, wanting to. Um, you know, be in the East-West matches uh, right. instead of just, you know, my best players, like Jillian Hollis, she didn't play in AJJ until she was think like, 16 or 17. Iran okay. um, Lee from Spain never, never played in America. And now Katerina Don never played in America. Um, so again, we'll find you if you're playing well, just go work hard and play well.
0: Yeah. So I mean with that being said I mean obviously and and I think sometimes the reason people play in AJGA events are you know they're concerned about rankings but they're also you know where am I going to get the most notice. So I mean you guys are looking at tournaments outside and, and and ranking scores and and stuff like that outside of the AJGA. What are some other you know areas that you guys are focusing?
1: Yeah, for us I mean being in the Southeast Southeast Junior Tour Peggy Kirk Bell are two and hurricane two are three, you know, especially for the younger, you know, the younger junior golfers trying to, you know, get their name on the scene. Um, we've, and we've changed a little bit. We've slowed our recruiting down. So, I mean, we're looking more your state level, as far as state am state open and USGA qualifiers. Um, Cause again, we're, we're trying to, be more selective and really recruit 15, 16, 17 year olds, which again, sounds very late to a lot of parents because I know a lot of them want to see coaches at 11 and 12. And at that age, these, these junior golfers just need to develop and sure. go enjoy the sport. So that's, yeah. again, I think it's easy. They're going to say it's easy for you to say you're the coach. You're not the one who's stressed about their daughter going to school. But again, if you'll just let them have fun at that age, They'll be seen by the right coaches at the right time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you said right there, just let them have fun. That's been, you know, this is the seventh episode of this podcast that I've done. And literally every single person that I've brought on here, uh, you know, has expertise in some area of the golf world. And every single one of them has channeled it back to just have fun. It's a game. And, you know, it's just such an important piece of it that I think sometimes parents can lose track of and you know kids are are trying to you know make parents happy as well but you got to have fun with the game or it's not going to be enjoyable for anybody right
1: right and they see you see parents and i mean my players do it still i have to talk to them a lot they want to chase the magical lesson of oh i saw this instructor because he's or she's top 10 in the in my state or in the country and it's like just go play like Yes, you need some fundamentals, but just go play the game and learn learn how to play it. Um, you'll get fine-tuned eventually, but just kind of hit it and chase it a little bit and learn to score and not try to perfect the golf swing. Cause it's, I've seen a lot of pretty swings who, unfortunately, never make it to Division One level, and you see a lot of interesting moves that turn out to be top 20, 25 players in the world.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've seen that. Recently, just with some of the players that are coming out on tour. I mean, there's, you know, some very unorthodox moves that are out there, but, you know, I remember talking to Matt Kucher a few years ago, and he's one of those that you would tag in that regard. Um, he said, Hey, as long as I can repeat the move and it produces the ball flight that I'm trying to produce, you know, that's what we're working on. So it's not about, you know, having this picture perfect swing, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And that's, and again, it's, this game is, it gets hard to win the higher you move up also like when you're again to me that 10 11 12 13 year age you know you dominate you probably win five to ten times a year because there's so many little tournaments and I think parents also lose that because you it's it's very it's just very demanding and hard like Julian Hollis had a great college career but she won um, she won four times and that's that's like top five in, in our program's history, that many wins. Most people, you're lucky to win one tournament in a four-year period. So try to continue to win at 15, 16, 17 um, just because it is so difficult to to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about um, you're out on the road and you're recruiting um, or your assistant coach is out on the road recruiting. What What are you guys – looking at when you're watching a player to see if you're, if you want to recruit them, you know, identify them already. You're out there. What what kinds of things are you guys paying attention to? A lot of
1: mannerisms on why they're playing around a golf. And as far as how they're really their reaction to any shot, good shots, bad shots, um, how, you know, does their routine stay the same on the first tee all the way through the 18th hole? And I try to watch a lot of golf. And does it stay the same when you're four under versus maybe seven over and just having one of those days that you're going to have in this sport? Uh, Do do you – or do you just kind of – to me, I call it pack it in a little bit. Um, So to me, that that becomes really, really important uh, from my end something I do on a recruiting trail is I actually will, I'll go around to the volunteers and other people and just kind of ask about the player and the parents. Like, it's just not the, it's just not the player. I'm asked how the parents have, and I'll go in the pro shop. Like you have, has anyone get, has anyone been great this week? Has anyone given you trouble this week? Because I'm like, they're going to be on great behavior around me when I'm out there, but like, I want to know how they're treating the staff and everyone else because that's how it's, probably going to be for the four years we spend together. So I try to do as much digging as I can um, as much on the golf course.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's something that, um, that's something that I think provides a lot of, value. I mean, why is that so important to you?
1: Uh, to me, it just tell it reveals their real character of who they are. Not, not the front that they're putting on while on the golf course and a coach, is around. And again, that's the that's the person I'm probably going to deal with 95% of the time because it's a four-year career is not going to go perfect at a university. So th- there's going to be some tough times and when again, if you're berating the range picker or a pro shop staff because it's not exactly how you thought it was supposed to be set up, that's probably what you're going to do to me when your daughter doesn't make the traveling lineup or I've had to discipline her for something. And I just, I don't want the headache. I'll be real honest. For sure. So I'll just, I'll pass. And I've already, trust me, there's, there's two elite junior golfers out there that I'm, you will never see me recruit because I've heard enough horror stories and they probably are going to be all American somewhere, but
0: I, it's not going to be my headache. I'll let some other coach deal with it. (laughs) Do you think that a lot of coaches have a common uh, approach in that? I mean, you guys all know each other and, and talk a lot. Um, it's easy to say yes, but it's hard to do when you got a top talent that <laughs> right. you're like, oh, I can fix
1: them. Uh, as a coach, you kind of just learn, and I've just uh, – I've had my, you know, rough patches with, you know, trying to say I'm going to fix somebody, and I'm just – I'm not going down that path yeah. anymore, Yeah. but – Again, there's plenty of coaches who will, and I probably, if I hadn't been a head coach so long, I'd probably go down it too. My first few years, going, oh, it's okay, they're too good. It'll they'll they'll make it work.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Well, it's funny you're talking about that. You you know, it's, I think it's very similar, as you're talking about college golf and fitting into, you know, your team and the culture and stuff like that. It's like it's like us with work right as adults um you know from a recruiting perspective it's like applying for a job you know from being the rock star producer in the uh on the team you know in the work setting you know if it's a cancer you know it spreads right so um i think that's really interesting kind of the crossover between you know adult life and you know career and you know what you're doing in college is very similar
1: yeah and i'm like like, my thing too i tell all parents it's like this relationship yes you'll be a part of it but it's between your daughter and i when she's at school yes there'll be some things that you got to talk to mom and dad about or you know that need to be discussed but at the end of the day i don't want a phone call from the parents about a daughter's well why is her class schedule like this where is it why is the trainer maybe not doing this that's that's between the daughter and i or the the and or the daughter and a trainer um so again that's that's why, like, in the recruiting process, too, I want to hear from the, from the junior golfer. I, I get mom and dad maybe making that first contact, but after that, like, parents who call me over and over again, it's probably a rare occasion
0: they'll end up at the University of Georgia. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, in the recruiting process, what role should the, should the player have and what role should the parent take?
1: Um, I mean, the the player needs to be the one reaching out to coaches. And my advice is, we know that the player is going to be nervous. So as coaches, we'll we'll talk the player through the phone call and help. The, well, it's you sh- if you're comfortable with that coach, they'll talk you through the phone call, right. And and everything. And that's where. Again, I get – every once in a while, parents will be on speakerphone. And if it's the first time or second time, I'm okay with it. After that, though, it's like, hey, let me let me have this conversation. Right, uh, right. Because, again, I'm afraid they're going to hover uh, quite a bit there. So, you know, that's it, – it'll be okay. I know it's going to be nerve-wracking, but it'll be okay to make that initial phone
0: call and, and just
1: create the communication uh, line of
0: communication. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that is – a scary thing for a young player, especially, you know, somebody in their teens, that's, you know, trying to have a conversation. It's a super important thing that they're chasing in their life. So, you know, it's good to know that on your side. And I think that, you know, parents and, and players can appreciate that, you know, you understand you get it. And other coaches get it that, you know, it's, it's something that they're going to be nervous about and you're going to help them through it and just want to develop a, you know, genuine relationship and get to know each other and, and see where it leads.
1: And that's what, I mean, I get it. I mean, texting, Snapchat, direct messages on Instagram. I mean, those are, to me, those are good things if just little things are high, but I I refuse to hold a conversation that way. I mean, I, and again, my current team, I'll pick up the phone and call them. I just, I think it's an important piece. Uh, And then nothing also, you don't, I don't read something into a text or message. They don't either. So you can kind of, and you can say that's very old school, but I just, I found that's it's the easiest way to have great, great communication with my hopefully future and then
0: current student athletes. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the communication rules? Cause I think sometimes the, you know, players will reach out and they don't hear anything back. Of course, you know, you guys are getting a ton of messages. Um, so I think that maybe plays a part, but What are some of the rules that revolve around communication as it relates to the NCAA?
1: Heck, by the time we, time we air this, it might change again. (laughs) Uh, The big right now, if, if you're, if you have not started your, and I got to make sure I'm saying this right. um, This just changed, but if if you haven't started your junior year of high school, we can send one email back to you and it's going to be very, very generic uh, and just probably will have a link. To us, I have a for us. I have a link to our questionnaire. I would assume most schools look exactly the same. Um, and then the NCAA has their dates in there when when we can. Ex- and now it's even like if we, it's when we can accept phone calls and call. And I'm going to say PSAs. That's prospective student athletes. That's what junior golfers are. And even now, if we take a phone call from someone who the NCAA has deemed we can't we can't talk to if we don't get off that call in about three seconds we get written up and then we'll get a ban on recruiting that player for a certain period of time because we had to get off like we didn't do our best to get off that phone call and explain the NCAA rules so Uh. my my and our sport's different because we're close to parents when we're recruiting and I mean parents please understand you put us at in such a bad spot if you even try to say hi it's and if i i'm sorry if there's a coach out there talking to you and all that is that the person you want to play for because they're breaking rules they're cheating so is that i'm just saying like as a parent it might it might seem very flattering but what are they going to do when your daughter's playing for them are they going to have the same morals that's kind of my stance on it And, and i don't try to be standoffish i just try to say i can't talk right um And I'm sorry, it's an NCAA rule. And it's, again, we're we're learning the new rules as they they come into play. But really, kind of rule of thumb, if you're not a junior yet, you really shouldn't be talking to a
0: college coach because (laughs) they're not allowed to. (laughs) Right, right. No, that's, yeah, that's good advice. And I mean, that just kind of helps paint the picture of, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. And You know, I've had some of those conversations to myself, um, specifically out at like Junior Worlds, and I'm talking to families and, you know, they're talking about communicating with certain coaches while they're out there. And, you know, I have said something about, you know, I don't don't know if you should be talking to them or, you know, be careful, you know, having those conversations because of a timing perspective. So it's good to know what that looks like. Um, I think that's going to help some people understand, you know, what those rules are.
1: Right, and and my here's my advice too. Like, if you're of age where a coach can talk with you, just the best thing, or what I think works great, is send us a text message and saying, "Hey, coach, this is player A. I'd like to. I'm gonna call you at six p.m. Monday night. Is that okay? Like, just because we can respond back. No, we have practice. How about this time? And just give us a heads up if you're gonna call us. Is my my big thing. Cause I mean, a lot of these numbers were like, uh, I have no idea. Right. And I'm probably not going to answer it. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah. Um, I want to jump back to like just your team specifically. Can you walk us through what a week looks like for a female golfer at the university of Georgia?
1: Yeah, we, so they'll get one day off a week. That's an NCAA rule. Let's just start with Monday. So on Mondays, we'll have some form of team practice. Now, let me start in the morning. Take it back. We'll, we'll start class about either 8 a.m. or 9.05 on Monday, Monday mornings. Uh, they will go to class till right around 12 o'clock. They'll eat training table, uh, which is lunch, with all the student-athletes at the University of Georgia, and then we'll practice in the afternoon in kind of a two- or three-hour block, depending on class schedules. And When I say that, that's probably just going to be a we'll play on the course, we'll set up a team game, we'll set up the team pitching, chipping, and it's going to be where the team is together as a group, uh, but not in qualifying form, but just to kind of be together. And then that evening they'll have tutoring training table and we try to get tutoring done around eight that night because we work out on Tuesday morning at 6 30 so that's kind of a five wake up call right we work out as a team for one hour um and then we'll do individual practice on Tuesday meaning I block 90 minutes with each player on my team and we go over what she needs to work on and Again, so that is very individual driven. Some of it might be simply going through green reading, green speed, um, and doing that. Where someone else, I might go spend ninety minutes on the course because we want to talk course management and hitting balls on the course. It's very that's where the line of communication. Like they haven't, they have a good idea what I want them to work on. They've told me what they want to work on. We set up a, it's like a lesson. We set up a plan on Tuesday. Then they'll go to class beginning about two or three in the afternoon on Tuesday uh wednesday is a lot like monday where class in the morning then we will do some kind of team practice or short game challenge in the afternoon we do yoga on wednesday nights at 6 p.m six to seven and then thursday morning's exactly like tuesday or thursday's exactly like tuesday where we work out as a team in the morning and again another individual practice session and then they'll go to class and then friday class in the morning then after lunch we'll use friday afternoon to qualify and then saturday sunday kind of depends are we trying to take a break are we trying to qualify if it's full-blown qualifying we'll probably qualify saturday sunday and i'll have to find it one of those days will turn into an off day uh in there so you know i we get 20 hours a week by ncaa rules i probably use about fifteen of those hours in mandating practice. But to me, even like the days I schedule their ninety minutes on Tuesday, Thursday, I mean they have three or four hours in their day to kind of practice, play, do whatever they want. They're gonna have a lot of freedom because they're if they're here, they already are really good. So I want to maintain, you know, I want them to feel like they maintain and own that part of their game. Yeah. That they came in come in with. Okay. Well I hope that helps. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it does help. I mean, it's a full time job, right? I mean, I think, you know, you're listening to an entire week. I mean, I'm exhausted a little bit. Um, (laughs) You know, that's a that's a long week with, you know, the combination of academics and mandated practice. And, you know, if you're going to push yourself to the next level, you're going to be doing some practice outside of that, obviously. I mean, what are your expectations there? I mean, I know you can only mandate certain number of hours, but I mean, what do you see your players doing outside of that?
1: the ones that turn into all Americans and play professionally are out there probably another 20 to 35 hours a week. They just are. Yep. I and mean, they're out there and that's, I mean, and they have a game plan. Like, again, I'll use Jillian Hollis or, or Ron Lee and um, even, you know, a couple of my players right now, I mean, they come with a plan. They're just not there to hang out, right? Um, but they're there to get better, work on something and, and, then get back out get back to academics or something else in their life. And, and, again, I think the older you get, the less time you actually practice, too, because, again, you know what you need to do to be efficient, but you also understand rest is super important and letting your body heal and recover.
0: Yeah. What kinds of things do you guys do for recovery?
1: We have, we have a massage therapist as part of athletic association so i encourage them to get massages once a week again we do yoga i think that's extremely important um we have now inside our team area is called the boyd center at the boyd center now i mean we have all the soft tissue we have the hammer we have where where we i don't exactly you put it on your legs and arms and it it massages you and you can set it up for five to like 30 35 minutes and this is done through all our athletic training staff, um, then, again, if, if you need any kind of treatment throughout the day, if it's simply, again, just kind of working out various knots in your hands or shoulders outside of the masseuse, you'll have, you know, a person there Monday through Friday that can do that for you. Uh, so, again, and, and we have nutritious on staff who does a very good job of stocking and explaining what they should be eating based on their travel. Like right now we just, again, got back from a red eye. So I'm really worried about hydration and they got to stay awake, but also trying to make sure they drink a lot of water and, and eat a lot of, a lot of fruit. So it's, you're right. It's NCAA would cringe if I say it's a job, but (laughs) at the end of the day, it it is a job and your body is your most important piece that you got to take care of.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you talk about the nutrition piece. I mean, you know it's important off the course, but it's also important on the course, right? I mean, are you are your players, you know, building packs to take out on the course with them so that they can continue to keep their fuel going as they're playing in their events?
1: Correct. And our our
0: nutrition used to
1: pack bags for our players, and it was we you know we've changed that a little now. And we go to tournaments. I'll I end up at a I can do a promotion for Trader Joe's, but go to Trader <laughs> Joe's quite a bit and. And this team likes, you know, a lot of dried – a lot of nuts, a lot of dried fruit, and then also they want apples and cuties. And that, to me, that's – hey, if that's what makes you play well – that's my theory too. Whatever makes you play well, just ask me because I want – you can't come back to me with any excuse saying, oh, coach, <laughs> I, wanted the, I wanted the pumpkin seeds. I – that had no flavor and salt, not this. Like, hey, I don't care. You go make birdies. I'll buy you whatever. And I'll, I'll take the dang salt off there if you'll make birdies.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's an important piece. I mean, you know, our bodies are – you got to take care of them, right? You know, the fitness aspect, the nutrition aspect, you know, to really max out what you're capable of out there on the course. And, yeah, some of it is a little bit of superstition. Um, so if it's in the head, that's fine because golf is a, is a super mental game, right?
1: yes it's and it's five hours of just battling yourself as much as as much as you're playing golf because you got too much downtime that yeah you know hopefully you're saying some positive things but we've all played this sport you're going to let some negative things creep in there so yeah it's a it's a battle for sure on that end
0: yeah let's shift let's talk about um academics so i mean i know that as you're talking to us through the week and you know what players can expect academics is a big piece i mean or is it? Is is academics important?
1: Yeah, it's extremely, extremely important. Um, I, I've i tried to get my players out of here in four years too and that's probably a rarity anymore. Um, I've not this is year eight as I we started this. Every player I've had has graduated in four years. Wow. Um, I think and now I'm not saying they haven't taken some summer school because they have, but I think, I think a student athlete can do it uh, if they're you know if you demand it they the youth can accomplish a lot if you'll demand it um and and kind of shock themselves but along with that we have a great support system they they will have tutors for every class uh, once you reach a certain gpa you and i will talk about if you keep your tutors or not and like i say i hold all final decisions but we'll talk about it sure um uh, then we, they're as a freshman too. They're given a mentor who helps them, kind of on a weekly basis, set their schedule and what's coming up. What did you learn from last week? Where are you traveling to? Have you talked to your professors? Just helping them guide them through college life. Um, Is that another student? As, as the, it's it varies from it has. They have to be out of college, so they could be a grad student, you know, out of undergrad, or it could be just older people in the community want to give back time and everything okay. and just they just don't donate that so you kind of it just varies a little bit um from there and then again yeah we have our academic centers open every every day but saturday you can be you can be in there and and again i think that comes from the culture of the team though we we take a lot of pride in our team gpa and I mean, even, like I said, this morning, someone had to give a speech on our team at 9.05. We got back to Athens about 8.20 off of Red Eye, and she'll be ready to give a speech at 9.05, and she was doing PowerPoints in the airport in Portland last night, but at the same time, I asked her about it. I I just, I don't take her for granted. I kind of have it in my notebook, too, who has things going on in their life, and Again, that's where if I know you got a stressful couple of days, I'll probably give you time off practice wise and I'll get it back from you on the other side somewhere. And that's, I I just trust you. So, and I want you to, you know, you're going to leave here with your degree. That's the one thing I can promise mom and dad. I can't promise the tour, but I can promise a degree.
0: Nice. Yeah. I love that. I mean, so what should junior players um, be focusing on with their academics as they're preparing and, and looking for colleges you know and golf I mean both sides you know what should they do, be doing on both fronts
1: you know what a thing that's become very common in a lot of AP classes if you if you're that high level academics and you can test out of of certain classes and come in with 815 credit hours it just makes your your semesters easier because you're taking a less you're taking less work than the average student athletes, so it's just more time to again either work out or practice, sleep um, in general, and then depending on where they want to go. I mean, there, if they're trying to go to the elite private schools and need a certain SAT, they probably need to concentrate on it. If they're if they're coming here, uh, I would tell them like just do really well. I mean, yeah, we want everything to be as high as possible, but and that's where every school that's where you just got to have communication with the coach of understanding their admissions. Um, uh, but my, my encouragement would be if you can take some AP classes, get credit hours before you even step foot on campus, your life will be a lot easier as a student athlete, just cause again, you'll have so much more free time than your teammates.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what about scholarships? How does that work in, in women's college golf? Come on, everyone just everyone just pays for their own way. We don't worry about scholarship. No, no scholarship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think yeah, I guess mean, have... because, you know, in my experience over the past few years, and I've helped some students with that recruiting process, I think there's an expectation out there that um, I need to get, go get a full ride somewhere. Um, and so I just want you to kind of talk about that a little bit. What's available Um, you know, some different combinations of scholarships, whether it be athletic and academic, you know, just walk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, women's golf, we have 6.0 full scholarships. Um, Our sport too, just so parents know, I mean, we can break it down however we want. Um, I just know I can go as, I can go as small as 3% on a scholarship. That means books all the way up to 100%. And the, you know, it, it, it's, this is right. scholarships are always a tough subject because, again, you're right. I think most parents go into it with they need 100%, 100%, only look at schools with 100%. Um, and I get it from a financial side. I'm not the one writing a check if my daughter's only given 75% and not 100%. Um, but that, that's kind of my question to parents is, If your daughter really likes it, and unfortunately we're unfortunately only have seventy five percent versus a hundred, is there a way to make it work? And can we? You're right. Can we look at academic scholarships? Can we look at need based scholarship, meaning the Pell Grant? And can we help fill in other areas? And the other thing to remember, coaches, there's probably a lot of coaches holding money, and they can give money throughout the year. Uh, I've never. I've never had a year where by kind of Christmas time, I don't have money available by student athletes on my team and end up bumping people up um, from there. And I, I would bet that's very common. um, You know, from there. And I, if you're really interested in the school too, and I, I tell parents to talk to my current players and former players, like how did he handle the, how did he handle the scholarship? Did, did he honor what he said? And ask that because that's more important than what a coach is telling you. Like, what is what has he or she really done? You know, when when the player is there, have they really increased if they said they would, or have they tried? it almost can't take scholarships away anymore. Just so parents know, it's really, really, really difficult. So don't don't let that play into the fear factor, uh, because you know and and also now you can sign scholarships for all four years there's a lot of schools that make you sign them for 4 years oh, wow. instead of one year okay. where there's no no non you know no non renewal here i you would have to the university of georgia is very strict with me where you have to do something very you almost have to break the student student handbook me to even try to take your scholarship so to me even if i said you got a one-year scholarship it's a four-year scholarship um, in our eyes and again i've never had a student athlete not be increased over their four years if i've had a chance to increase them
0: yeah and that's because they're earning it on the course in the classroom
1: it's a little bit of both i mean we had our just last year we ran a situation that I, i our manager did it's, I mean, it's weird she's played for us but she was our manager for two years we added her to the roster and she did everything I could have asked from a teammate academics ended up playing a little bit and and she ended up earning a full ride scholarship to the University of Georgia we did a special piece on it in the athletic department um but it wasn't as much athletic as it was just being a great teammate great person great leader in athletics um, yeah. so and I'll be honest as a coach, its I, I'll never make a promise of saying, oh, if you do, if you play for us, I'll increase you. Because who knows, circumstances can be weird for a team and all of a sudden you have to play because there's not enough people on the roster. So right. you, coaches are going to be very, very careful how they word that, um, you know, from that end. And again, scholarships is the hardest thing you'll have with a coach if your daughter is not a flat out full ride,
0: 100%. Sure. Uh, student. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, I want to be respectful of your time, but, uh, I just want to jump in real quick to college visits. Um, when should people or when should players and families start visiting colleges in your opinion? Um, can you talk a little bit about unofficial visits versus official visits and how that works?
1: Yeah, again, that rule just changed, too, where now you have to be – I'm going to get my day wrong, so I do not want to say it. Please check. But it's after your sophomore year before your junior year is the first time you can meet with a coach on campus. It used to be you could show up if you were six years old and meet with a coach. But that rule has been changed by the NCAA. Um, so, again, just please, parents make sure you understand that if you show up, the coach might just have to be like, I can't talk to you. They're not being rude. They're just rules we have to follow. Uh, And then, but at the same time, if, if you're, let's say we're hosting a junior event this weekend in Athens and let's say you're 13, well, tour the campus. I mean, it's probably better you do it anyway, because I mean, my tour, I promise I've done it enough. You're going to love Georgia. Like you'll love it. Like, I could sell the biggest Auburn, Alabama fan on Georgia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you get, if I let him take the tour, so to me, you get a better feel if you'll just kind of walk around campus yourself, walk around the athletic areas. Uh, you can still do all that. You just can't meet with the coaches and get a feel for the town too of what. And I even challenge parents of, if they stay up late enough, go kind of in the hot spots at nine or ten in the evening. Drive by and is that what you want your the scene you want your daughter to be involved in? you know, in the evening, let's face it, most college towns are very lively, you know, so I I think that's important for parents. If I had a child, that's how I would, you know, I would approach it from seeing campuses. Um, Official visits, that's where, again, we pay for everything for the student-athlete, or prospective student-athlete. Parents have to pay for their travel, but after that, we pay for their hotel. Even we'll pay for the parents' hotel when they come. We pay for the food. It's a... If you're getting offered an official visit, I promise that school really wants you bad. They, yeah. And they're going to do everything they can um, for that. An unofficial visit is where the parents or guardians, whoever, are paying for, paying for the visit. Uh, you pay for everything, hotel, flights, car. Um, and they're, they're still extremely important because, again, a coach's time is valuable. So if they're offering you an unofficial visit and spending time with you, they get they're they're interested uh, in there and you're offered you can make five official visits in your career and you can only make one official visit to a school so if, and you can take them now as early as your junior year but if you use them all up in your junior year and decide oh I don't know where I want to go I need to take more visits that's going to be on you after five okay so you just have to think that through a little bit you know, as parents and cause it's exciting to be offered those official visits, but make sure that, that they're the schools on your list that you're going to go visit.
0: Yeah. 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 I think it's, you know, when it comes down to college recruiting, I think you would agree that on both sides of the equation, both for the school, the coach and for the the player and their family, it's just about finding a, a relationship, a fit that is going to be mutually beneficial Um you know, that's, that's going to be the right fit for that player.
1: Right. And that's, again, that's where the communication piece also, let's face it. Everyone wants to play. You're just not going to college to put your name up there. So important questions for me, if you're on a visit to ask, how do you, how do you choose who travels? Do you qualify? as a coach pick, um, Cause those things – because the end of the day, that's what becomes extremely important. And, again, I say – I always say go back and ask former players. Because the current student athletes are going to be a little hesitant to say everything just because they're on the roster. But former players I, – I, I've told everyone, like, you want to talk to Jillian Hollis, talk to her. You want to talk to Iran Lee, talk to her. You want to talk to Sammy Lee, who's in New York on Wall Street working, talk to her. Like, here's her number. Like, I have nothing to hide. I'm not an, I'm not an angel 365 days a year. I'm sure they've all – they've all been in my doghouse for a day or two. Right. But at the end of the day, we have really good relationships and, and we all got through it together and had a lot of great memories. So again, ask, and if a coach is hesitant to give you former players, there's probably some red flags you need to look at as a parent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we've packed a lot of information and, and great value into, you know, this 40 minutes or so that we've been on the phone. I'm sure we could keep going for another 40, but um, like I said, I want to be conscious of your time. I know you just got off a red eye and um, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Is there any last minute things that uh, you would throw out there for parents or players, just any kind of last minute uh, tips or or advice?
1: No, again, we started it kind of to just, just go have fun. It's a sport. It's a game and play, play as much. How about, Play more golf than you practice. Just play. Just play the darn sport and and enjoy it because it's something you're going to have the rest of your life.
0: Awesome. Well, Josh, I appreciate it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Brewer, head coach of the women's team at University of Georgia. Appreciate you joining us, Josh.
1: Matt, thank you very much, and, and have a great day.
0: Absolutely. You too. Right. Bye. Bye. Well, guys, that's a wrap for episode seven of Junior Golf Keys with Josh Brewer, the head coach of the women's golf team at the University of Georgia. I had a really great time chatting with Josh and uh, really curious on what you guys took away from this episode. So if you would jump into the comments on whatever social post you came across this episode in and share something that you learned as always. If you've taken any value from this episode or this show, uh, please share and leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. Uh, Next week continues our two-part mini-series on college golf recruiting uh, with the reigning Division I National Championship coach Conrad Ray of Stanford University. I appreciate you guys tuning in and hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.